It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them all? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. Dallas Estate Planning and Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen and I, the co-host Don Crawford Jr., very blessed owner of KWAM Radio, welcome you to another Estate Planning Essentials program, doing nothing but endeavoring to protect your family, your assets, and you. Good day to you, Michael Cohen. Good day, Don. How you doing? I'm doing fine. You and I spoke before the program today about what we should discuss and educate the audience on and you made it pretty clear to me that when it comes to using the power of an attorney when transferring property, uh, it can be pretty difficult and harder than most people think, and you were going to explain that to the audience today. First of all, I guess I should tell what people what a power of attorney yes. is in case they are not aware. Uh, we're talking about a uh, what I was referring to was a financial power of attorney, mm-hmm. and normally uh, in most, if not the great majority of powers of attorney that are financial, it talks about the ability to deal with real estate transactions. And a lot of times they even have a, uh, in financial powers of attorney, they even deal with the property of the person who uh, owns the pro- owns the property. In other words, the one who signs the power of attorney, uh, which would be the principal, uh, gives the agent, the person that's acting on her behalf, the ability to... Uh, you know, in this case, transfer real estate, as well as many other things. Generally, if it's a general durable power of attorney, general means uh, doing all sorts of things. There could be all sorts of different types of financial transactions, uh, limited power of attorneys, or just maybe for one type of transaction, so let's say just to sell real estate or whatever. Uh, so you could have it either general or limited, and durable means it's good even during disability. Uh, so most financial powers of attorney are durable because that's usually why people want them is in case they're disabled, they could have the authority to act on your behalf. Now, remember, a power of attorney terminates at death. A power of attorney terminates at death. If the principal died, you no longer have the authority to act uh, upon that death of the principal. All right. So what happened in this case that I'm about to tell you about, uh, we saw, or at least we originally we saw a uh, a deed from a wife to a husband, a deed with marital partition, and I'll explain that in just a second, but it was using a financial power of attorney. Um, well, there are several several different issues here that are go beyond just saying, yes, you have the authority to deal with real estate. The first thing is, can at one spouse even give their property to the other spouse? A lot of times, title companies would say no. You say, what do you mean they say no? If it's a joint, if you have property together, 
um, look, and it's your homestead, which this, in this case it was, um, the spouse who's transferring the property under the Texas Constitution has a life estate, in other words, the right to live there for, for life. So normally, so even if you've just been married for a couple months uh, and that person died, even without a power of attorney, the surviving spouse would have the right to live there for life. So some title companies would say, well, you can't transfer all the property because you have the right to live there for life under the Texas Constitution. And other title companies would allow you to do a deed with marital partition provided that both parties sign, if it's community property, both parties sign the deed to the the one that we're transferring it to. So in this Mm -hmm. case, uh, what we initially saw was a deed from the wife through the use of the agent under the power of attorney to the husband. You say, okay, well, that, that, that should be fine, right? Well, other than the fish, the fact that there might be the problem with the title company, depending on the title company, to see if you could uh, allow the transfer from one spouse to the other. Um, but the first problem besides that was can a agent under a power of attorney uh, do that uh, if, if, there, if the power of attorney was not recorded? And the answer is really no. Mm. You're supposed to record that within 10 days of the transaction. And we didn't see the power of attorney being recorded. And you have to record the original power of attorney. A photocopy will not work. So mm. the transaction, even if, it, even if the title company didn't give you a problem uh, with, the, with the transfer of a deed with marital partition, they would give you a problem with the fact that it wasn't recorded. If so what does that mean, Michael? What do we mean oh, say recorded? What does that mean? Oh, okay. So the original power of attorney, all documents, when I say originals, that means the original signature. So were you not a photocopy, but mm. the original, the one that you act, the person actually signs, has to be filed with the county where the property is located. Got it. So if I have property in Dallas County and some, and I lose mental capacity, I may have given my wife the ability to act on my behalf. You know, mm-hmm. I remember Texas Community Property State, just because you're a spouse doesn't mean that you have the rights on my portion of the property. So in other words, if I were to sell my house or we were wanting to sell our house uh, and I lost mental capacity, which my wife might think I already have, but that's a different <laughs> But if I had lost mental capacity and we wanted to either sell the house or or even do a, get a mortgage uh, uh, on the property, borrow against the property, that power of attorney that I signed would have to be recorded with the county clerk before she could either sell or mortgage the property. So if that if that did not occur within 10 days of the transaction, you could do it. Anybody could do it at any time. So actually, we recommend if you own real estate, then it's not a bad idea to go ahead and record the financial power of attorney because sometimes people lose the powers of attorney. Mm. And if they lose it then they and they can't record it, then they can't act. So unless it. you go to court and seek guardianship, and we don't want to go to court and seek guardianship. That's expensive. All right, so the next thing would be that, okay, so we said, oh, gee, there could be a problem because it's 
uh, maybe because there's that life estate issue. The second thing is a, there's a problem because um, if there were somebody failed to record uh, the financial power of attorney, the third thing is we have to look at the power of attorney itself. Did it give a right? What do you mean, did it give a right? Well, a lot of times, um, title companies, so you have to look at things from a title company perspective. If you just had a power of attorney and the uh, the wife you uh, transferred to the husband, did it give the ability of the husband to act on his wife's behalf to transfer it to himself? Title companies would probably disregard that as self-dealing, hmm. self-dealing. Uh, so anytime it's self-dealing, if you deed to yourself, unless the power of attorney gives that authority, then probably they'll, they won't insure it. Another thing that a power of attorney, so a statutory power of attorney, statutory means that the state legislature has this kind of form uh, that, quite frankly, most attorneys use. But if you wanted to do this type of transaction that we're discussing, that would not be sufficient. So in the elder law world, switching gears, a lot of times we have extra powers, like on transfers and self-dealing, just to help people get public benefits. But we have to go over that with people just to see what they're, you know, is that something they want or they don't want? Mm -hmm. And everybody's different. Uh, in this case, uh, the wife, there was a desire to transfer from the wife to the husband. Uh, I'm not sure why they wanted to do it, and the husband didn't want to fund the trust. Uh, but uh, uh, then there was a question, too, as to whether the wife had mental capacity. Would a title company insure if they thought that she lacked mental capacity? Mm -hmm. uh, well, what would they look at? They might look at her handwriting. Is her handwriting real scribbly? Was she older, elderly? Does that make a difference to them? They might look at that. So if there's a question as to capacity, then they, we usually get a doctor who specializes in the mind to say that there was capacity and have the doctor swear to that fact. On the self-dealing issue, um, what can you, what could that have husband done if it was, if he was the agent uh, and he didn't want to have the title company uh, refuse the uh, issue good title because they dealt it to themselves? Mm -hmm. uh, and power of attorney didn't give that authority. Mm -hmm. Well, um, if there was authority to bank gifting, which I'll get to in just a second, then he could have either resigned or refused to act uh, or perhaps delegated uh, the authority to whoever's, let's say, next. Uh, so usually you have an alternate agent if the first person that you've named is your agent uh, to act on behalf of something happened to the first one whether they died or became disabled or are unable to act. You always have an alternate agent on just about every document you have if you if it's assuming it's somebody you trust. But remember, I just also said uh, gift-giving, not only self-dealing, but is there authority to give gifts? Not only self-dealing, but a lot, most powers of attorney, uh, without there being extra language in there, do not give the authority to do broad gift-giving. Hmm. Well, in this case, uh, it didn't say that in the financial power of attorney. So again, the title company could give somebody a problem if you deed it, if that's, even if he refused to act or resigned as an uh, agent and somebody transferred to him, if the power of attorney did not give the authority to do broad gift-giving, 
again, a title company might not issue good titles. So it's not just that you do the transfer. What will the title company look at? Not to mention, <laughs> Texas, you know, when you transfer uh, ownership uh, property in Texas, of course, are separate property and community property. So, again, does the power of attorney have the right to partition? Under Texas law, you know, you can have uh, pre- and post-nuptial agreements basically partition and say it's his sole, the husband's, in this case, sold separate property. You basically have a mini partition agreement, in other words, a mini post-nuptial agreement that says that this is the sole and separate property uh, the one who it's being transferred to, in this case, to the husband. But again, it has to be in the financial power of attorney, and the statutory language does not include that. It does not include the right to make gifts. It does not give the right to partition. It does. Uh, well, maybe if you have gifts, a lot of times it'll say up to what's called the annual exclusion. The annual exclusion is, right now, it's $15,000 a year without having to report to the IRS. So... A lot of times people have uh, gift giving, but they limit it to the annual exclusion, which means, uh, uh, you know, uh, I could give up to $15,000 per year per person without having to do a report. The one who makes the gift, in this case, the principal would have to report. Most people have that in there, just limit it to that. And this kind of goes back to uh, the difference between the estate planning world and the elder law world. You remember the estate tax exemption 20 years ago was like $600,000, and now it's $11.7 million. In other words, at death and by making a gift, you could give up to $11.7 million in your lifetime under the present rules. So if I gave away to Don Crawford, if I had $11.7 million, I could give it all to you and not pay any gift tax. I just have to report. I can't do that every year. That's how much you can give at death. So in other words, if I used some of the what I could give at death during life, or in this case, I used it all up, then um, I would not have to pay gift tax, but whatever I did have left at the time of my death would be a subject to estate tax. So what are you waiting so, for? Why have I received that money now? You know, I know <laughs> you, you give them to receive, but I don't remember <laughs> Let me stop you right there. There's so many layers to this complicated cake that you presented to us regarding power of attorney. And this is Michael's job to sift through it, to understand exactly what the laws are, both nationally and statewide. This is why he's done this program for so many years and became a Dallas elder law attorney decades ago. And this is also why he does these free workshops online for our listeners and you will have questions about power of attorney. I do already, um, and most listeners will. And you can attend that next workshop to ask questions about power of attorney, government assistance, anything when it comes to wills, trusts, estate planning, you name it. And that next workshop is Thursday, October the 21st at 1 p.m., and it's online via Zoom. It's not in person yet. We're hoping that the virus abates and goes away and we can get back to normalcy, whatever that is. But for now, Michael's going to continue to do them online where you can just join the workshop uh, from the comfort of your own home once you've signed up for it. And uh, you could ask any question you want uh, regarding estate planning or government assistance, and Michael will 
shine as always, educating you on things that you probably didn't realize, which is his job. Is that right, Michael? I hope it's my job. I'm hoping that we could, you know, what we try to do is see whatever questions that people want to know and at the workshop. And yeah, in mm-hmm. fact, that's one of the first things we say is, what do you want to know? We want to make sure that that person's time, in this case, two hours, it's free, uh, is well spent for you. And you'll learn from other people's questions. And you never know what questions that people ask because they're different from workshop to workshop. We will have a presentation on estate planning and Medicaid because those are common things that people ask about. But then there's always other questions that we uh, have no idea what people ask because every it's whatever's in, on your mind. And we've been de- doing these workshops since uh, the end of 2012. Uh, we usually do two a month right now. Uh, and we just ask people what you want to know, and then through two hours we talk about those different things and answer those questions. And if you do go to that um, uh, two-hour free estate planning essentials workshop without any obligation, uh, we also do give you the ability to have a free one-hour vision, what we call a vision meeting, where we go go even in more detail about whatever questions you might have, again, without obligation. We just try to answer your questions uh, and so that you make sure that you take care of you and your loved ones, whether you should become disabled or upon your passing. A lot of times people just think about what happens when they die. But quite frankly, uh, the older we get, the more likelihood of disability. And a lot of times people forget about that. You know, we've just been talking about power of attorney, and that's usually used when people are disabled. Uh, but in any event, uh, to go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, all you have to do is call 214 720 0102. That's 214 720 or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's And I think you're going to enjoy it. You'll see that the time flies by. You're going to learn something and have some fun along the way. And uh, that's why we've been doing them for uh, getting close to nine years now because they, it seems to be something that people want to know about, and uh, so we're glad to accommodate them. Yes. Uh, again, yeah. So uh, we look forward to seeing people there. Great. And I'm looking forward to that one, too. Thursday, October the 21st, 1 p.m. online via Zoom. Very easy to sign up. Michael, you've, you've taught me over the years how important it is to realize that the general is the enemy. And if you don't say certain things in your state plan, that it's going to come back to haunt you. And it's not a matter of just, okay, here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to happen. Here's what I don't want to happen. Here is who doesn't get what. Well, I'm a child, and he wanted all of his children to get uh, a a fraction of his estate, and therefore uh, I deserve my part. And you've told me over the years that you have to be specific. This person gets this, and this person doesn't get that and it seems like with the powers of attorneys it's kind of similar you've got to be really specific or it's going to come back to haunt you or the heirs or both well it won't be necessarily uh, beneficiaries but the you do have to add additional things that are beyond the statute if mm-hmm. you want to include them so for example mm-hmm. uh, we've talked about numerous things in just this short uh, show about additional things that most people do not have and a financial, durable power of attorney, even if it was a general power of attorney, and even if it says anything is provided by law, that's not enough. Right. That's not enough. 
So for uh, so we mentioned, for example, these, the issue about self-dealing. Most people don't may say, well, I don't want anybody to self-deal anyway, but there could be issues like this that that could be important. Or maybe uh, the ability to delegate, that's something that we haven't mentioned. In other words, if uh, let's say you named a couple people as your agent and one has died and the other one looks like they're becoming disabled or something, we want the, the, the ability, of, and let's say you've lost mental capacity, uh, then you want the ability for somebody else to delegate somebody to act if there's nobody that's around to act. Right. Otherwise, you may have to go to court to seek guardianship. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, on our case before, let's say that there wasn't the proper authority, then we may have had to either have guardianship or some sort of community administration. And there's a lot of different things. You see, on just a simple transfer, uh, a lot of different things could occur. So... Uh, uh, that we may have wanted to avoid uh, because we want to not have a bunch of legal fees and go into court. Uh, and a, you know, a financial power of attorney in this case uh, could, you just have to address whatever it is that's of concern. So whether it's a right to delegate or it's right to self-deal or right to partition or the right to create trust or the right to, you know, I could go on and on. Uh, there's lots of different extra things. So generally when we do a financial power of attorney, we go over these different options with the clients. It's, I always say it's like Baskin-Robbins. We're just going to tell you all the flavors. When can you use this and when can you want that? Do you want to be able to have somebody do change a beneficiary? That's pretty powerful. That's a hot mm-hmm. power, as they call it. Do you want to have that? Do you want somebody to have a right of survivorship to be able to create a right of survivorship account? When would that be any good? Why would I want that? And so you have to kind of go over the different options. And so that's why you say at any kind of estate planning, what is important to you? And it's different from person to person. And so, uh, and that's why not just a simple form would be an answer. The, there's not just one financial power of attorney. We have to discuss, well, what is important to you? What authority do you want to give your agent? And do I trust that person? And if you don't, well, then you could always revoke the power of attorney as long as you have mental capacity. But at least you know what the options are and when it could be used uh, and why you would do these different options if that is of importance to you. So you never know until you ask. And I like the way you're presenting that because it it makes it clear to the people that um, if you don't cross every T, it could come back to haunt you down the road and you don't want that to happen. And you give, I learned this a long time ago, whether it's self-dealing, I think somebody once called it unjustly enriching yourself. Uh, Whichever the case, um, you want to make sure that you don't create any vulnerability in your planning, in your power of attorney, in anything, because if an attorney sees something, just give them one little weakness where they can hang their hat on it, they'll come after it and challenge it, and then you're going to have all these uh, legal problems that you don't want when you thought you were safe and sound. Does that sound right? Yeah, kind of. It it, it is an issue because, like, sometimes even though you say, oh, gee, I don't want to have the ability to have self-dealing, but Mm -hmm. actually sometimes... You do want to. I know I had, I was talking with a judge and she said, I want something in the, uh, in the estates code. We ought to tell the legislature to, I used to be chair of the probate section. Hmm. She was talking about it and we were saying we ought to have something that prevents it. In fact, there are some different statutes now that you, if you take money and you didn't have the authority to do it, it could even be a criminal act. Uh, hmm. But in any event, but sometimes 
uh, in the Medicaid world because Medicaid and veterans benefits are means tested. Sometimes if people have inadequate long-term care insurance or assets, we try to do things within the rules to reduce assets to, to get governmental assistance. So there, that's why you can't just say one size fits all because everybody's situation is different. So that means even on the power of attorney, I have to ask, do you have long-term care insurance? What are your assets? What are your income? What is your income? So it's it, it's, it gets, a, you know, you think of a power of attorney as something very simple and, oh yeah, everybody should have one. I had my daughters when they turned 18, each side one, even if they had limited resources, uh, just because I feel like it's a very important thing, but there still has to be lots of questions asked is what type of authority do you want? Is it, do you have long-term care insurance? Is it, do you have, do you want somebody to be able to create a trust for you? Do you know, all sorts of different types of things mm-hmm. that you would, nobody would even probably uh, even cross their radar uh, if they, you know, for not talking to some attorney, I would think. Right. And that's why God made people like you to make sure that what they have is ironclad and invulnerable to others who may, have unscrupulous plans or thoughts, and they need to be stopped. And thankfully, you're doing that for many of our listeners. Uh, if you haven't um, interacted with Michael Cohen, if he hasn't reviewed your situation and your circumstances, then you should get that done soon. And the first step in that direction is to attend his next workshop, which is Thursday, October the 21st at 1 o'clock, which is less than two weeks away. It's via Zoom. It's online. And you just never have to leave the comforts of your own home in order to participate. The way to do so is to sign up by calling 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102, or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com, or even just Google Michael Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, Dallas Attorney, and he'll be right there at the top of your first page. Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen, we thank you for the education today, sir. Thank you, Don. The record shows I took the blows and did it my way. A leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.